you'll take your Bibles up and turn over to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to continue with our study through the Ten Commandments this evening. Exodus chapter 20 tonight, our focus will be on verse 12. Though as we have been doing, we'll begin in verse 1 and read through verse 17. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, For the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. The grass withers and the flowers fade. You may be seated. Pray with me. Our Lord and our God, as we come to your word this evening, we pray, O Lord, that through it we will be built up in our knowledge of you, of what you require of us, and of what Christ has done for us in coming and keeping this law absolutely perfectly, and in imputing his righteousness to us. Father, be with us tonight, we pray. For we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, a number of you over the past two or so weeks have mentioned to me a new show on Netflix called The Secrets of the Blue Zones. The Blue Zones are, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, particular zones or, or places on earth where the highest proportion of people reach the age of 100. It's where people live a long time in these zones. There's, I think, five or so zones. And so the premise of the show and and the research that's behind the show is that there's this researcher who's going to go around and travel to all these different zones and attempt to kind of isolate the parts of life or the practices of these people groups that lead to such a long life. Over the course of his research, he identifies nine practices that lead to such long life expectancy. Interestingly enough, of those nine, two of them are given to us directly in our text here in Exodus this evening. First, he says that the people in these zones, one of the things that they do is they put their family first. They serve their parents by letting them live with them or right close by 
Some of them even letting their parents live in their own home as they age so that they can take care of them, and this leads to a longer life. Not just for the parents, but for those who care for the parents. And then secondly, the second thing, or second of the nine that he identifies, is that having a faith in God leads to a longer life. Now, of course, the people in this study, not all of them, and in fact, only a very few of them are Christians, but all of them believe in the existence of God and therefore in some type of morality that controls their life. Amazingly, these things lead to a longer life expectancy. If only we had known that 5,000 years ago, except that we did. Because God told us explicitly here in Exodus 20 in verse 12 that if we are careful to honor our father and mother, and as we're going to see tonight, that includes honoring God as our father. If we honor God and honor our parents, those he puts in authority over us, we will get or receive the promise of a long life. Well, as we continue through our study this evening, we're going to see exactly that, that God does indeed promise long life to those who obey his commands, but especially to those who obey the fifth commandment. As we continue in our study, we're going to follow the same basic two-point format that we've used in the previous weeks as we've talked about the first table of the law. We're going to see, first of all, what, or ask the question, first of all, what does the commandment require of us? And then secondly, we're going to see the reasons for the commandment. So we're going to ask, what does the commandment require of us? And then we'll see the reasons for the commandment. With that in mind, let's jump into our first point this evening. What does the commandment require of us? In order to fully understand what this commandment requires of us, we must first and foremost understand where this commandment lies in the table of the law. As we saw, perhaps some of you remember, in the introduction to the Ten Commandments, to Exodus chapter 20 a couple of weeks ago, that there is a very clear delineation between commandments 1 through 4 and who they address, that is, they address God and our worship of God, and commandments 6 through 10, once more, who they address, that is, our fellow man, and that being their focus, what it is we are to do in regards to our fellow man. These are very clearly summed up in the two greatest commandments that Christ refers to, quoting from the Old Testament, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the question that arises from this, it's very clear that questions one through, or commandments one through four, are directed towards God and, and how we are to worship Him, and six through ten are towards fellow man, where does question number five, or commandment number five, fit in? Does it belong in the first table of the law? Are, are directives towards God and towards obeying God? Or does it fall in the second table of the law, what we are to do regarding our fellow man? Well, there are three options that we have, three answers to this question. And we, again, mentioned these briefly a couple of weeks back now. First option we have is we can take this from the historical approach. This approach places the fifth commandment squarely in the second table of the law. This is about honoring our earthly father and mother. That is the main point of the commandment. And while we do honor God in obeying this commandment because he gives it to us, the focus of the commandment is on uh, fellow man. He's in, God is in the picture even and so far as this commandment reflects his nature and his will, but otherwise this commandment is entirely concerned with the relationship between man and man, between child and father. And in this sense, to keep this commandment is to fulfill the second part of the law, to love your neighbor as yourself. This has been the historical approach 
to this commandment. Second approach is a newer view, popularized in, give or take, the last century or so. This approach would place the fifth commandment in the first table of the law. And it argues that the emphasis of the commandment is to honor God as our Father and to serve Him. And as such, this obedience to this command fulfills the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so it rightly belongs in that first table of the law. There is a third approach, and this is the one that I'm going to take, and I'll explain why here in a moment. And that is to say that uh, both options are correct at least in some sense. There is a sense in which this commandment belongs definitely in the first table of the law, that we are to honor God as our Father, as our Heavenly Father. And also it belongs in the second table of the law, that we should honor our parents and honor those earthly authorities that God places over us. There's no doubt that the commandment is connected to the first table of the law. We see that in the way that it's patterned for us. We're given a command and then a reason for a command. If you were to look back through these Ten Commandments so far, it is only the first table of the law, save commandment number five that we're talking about now, only the first table of the law are given command and then reason for the command. You see that with the second commandment. Don't make any graven images. Don't worship them. Why? Because God is a jealous God who visits the iniquity of the Father on the children to the third and fourth generation, who shows steadfast love to those who love Him and keep His commandments. Third commandment, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why? Because the Lord won't hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? Because this is the pattern that God has set for us. And then now we're to honor our father and our mother that our days may be long in the land that the Lord our God gives you. So the, the pattern is that of the first table of the law, those first commandments as we see them. And it's a pattern that's not continued after this point. None of the rest of the commandments are given a reason for the command. Commandment number six, you shall not murder. There's no reason attached to that. Beyond the general reason that we ought to obey all the commandments, that is because God has given them to us. And yet there is a reason attached to this commandment. And so it makes sense to put it, therefore, at least in part, in with that first table of law, in with commandments one through four. Furthermore, the scriptures make clear that God is our God and our heavenly Father. This is consistent throughout all the Bible. God is to be called our Father. And this isn't without reason. And even if you want to take the commandment beyond uh, familial authority to just broadly consider all authority, God is the greatest authority and as such certainly must be honored. So it's clearly connected to the first table of the law. It's also clearly connected to the second table of the law. It clearly commands a particular action towards another human being. While God can be called our Father and is rightly called our Father, He is not our mother, nor is any spiritual being. And yet, listen to what the words of the commandment say, honor your father and your mother. Thus, necessarily, the commandment is the directive of our actions towards another human being. This is something that is entirely different from the other first four commands. So it has some similarities with those commands. It also has some differences. There's no part of any of commands one through four that is directed towards another human being. The first commandment doesn't say, you shall have no other gods before me and no other parents before the ones that I give to you. It simply doesn't say anything in regards to other creatures and is concerned only with the worship of God alone. Now, Admittedly, this commandment concerns how we act towards God and man, which is the conclusion that we're coming to. 
as concerned, yes, with our actions towards other people, and yes, with our actions towards God. So what do we do with it? I think the more that you consider the options, the more that you meditate on this commandment and the commandments as a whole, what becomes clear is that this commandment serves as a bridge between the two tables of the law. It demonstrates and reminds us that God is our ultimate authority, the one to whom we owe all things, and therefore we are to honor Him and Him alone. But because of that, we're also to honor His creation, the, thing, the, the people, the authorities that He has placed over us, not for the goodness of the individual, but for the goodness of the Creator who made the individual. This commandment has a foot in both camps, and it describes both the physical, the human interaction side covered under the law, as well as the spiritual interactions covered by the law. And as such, I think we have to understand it as a a both-and type of commandment. Does this teach us something about God? Yes. Does it teach us something about man? Yes. Both are in play. Now that we've made that clear, consider with me for a moment the implications of this. That is, what this commandment requires of us, both humanly speaking, in the physical realm, the material realm, and spiritually speaking. First, on the human side of things, it is, at its most basic and simple reading, this commandment requires that we honor our father and our mother, our literal parents. That is the easiest application to take away from a face value reading of the commandment. But what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, It can mean different things, depending on who you are and your stage in life. For a moment, let me talk to the children in the room, those who still live under your parents' roof. This means absolute obedience to your parents in anything and everything, so long as that obedience is not for you to physically harm yourself or for you to turn from God and worship someone or something else. And thankfully for all of you here in this room, knowing your parents, That's a pretty straightforward thing. Simply obey your parents. They're not going to ask you to to do something that you shouldn't do. And so this commandment requires of you perfect obedience to your parents. To obey them and to honor them. You should do what they say when they say it because they love and care for you. And not only should you obey, but you should do so with a good attitude. If your parent tells you to clean up your toys and you do it, but you spend the entire time doing it with a bad attitude, and throwing the toys around and complaining about how awful it is that you have to do this, is your heart actually obeying God's command? No, it's not. So you're to obey your parents, and you're to do it with a a good and happy attitude because that is what God calls you to do. Now for the rest of you in the room, those of you who don't live under your parents' roof, what does this commandment mean for you? Well, it doesn't mean that you have to obey your parents when they tell you to do something. And hopefully that dynamic doesn't exist anymore for most of you, Um, although perhaps for some of you younger people that are just now starting to kind of leave your parents' home, that dynamic's still a little bit questionable. You haven't fully established your independence yet. But what this commandment requires of you is that you should not be dismissive of what your parents have to say. You should listen to them. You should take their advice. You should give them your attention and your respect. They are deserving of your honor towards them, although that looks different now than it did when you were a child. This is the most simple application of the commandment. But this commandment has further implications for how we ought to respond to all authority, not simply the authority in the home, our 
fathers and mothers, but all the authorities that God has placed over us in our lives. The Westminster Divines and the Shorter Catechism, question 64, uh, write the answer uh, of what does the fifth commandment require of us, and they say the fifth commandment requires the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, and equals. In this we find what we uh, that we are called to obey and serve in all respects to those who are in positions over us, even as those in positions of authority are to show kindness and honor to those who serve under them. Now, this can be applied in most areas of life. Broadly speaking, this means that your boss at work is deserving of your honor and your respect for his or her position of authority over you, whether you like the individual or not. Practically, that means working hard, not slacking off in your duty and doing everything in your power to serve to the glory of God. Conversely, for bosses, it means not being unnecessarily angry, rude, or unkind to those who serve as your employee, but showing the love and kindness of Christ, even as you uh, have, have to, at times, be firm in what you say and do. This also means that you should pray for your leaders and submit to their leadership. Pray not only for your bosses, kind of your immediate leadership, immediate authority, but also those leaders who serve in government, those who rule over you, that God has placed over you. Tonight, we were praying for the civil magistrate. This is what we were doing and what we should be doing. In honoring them, we ought to pray for them, desire their good, desire that God would use them in a good way. It became popular under our last president, not our current president, but our last president, for those who didn't like him to say that he's not my president. And in response, under the current president, there have been some who thought to return the saying in kind. But the fact is, is that he is your president, and God has placed him over you, and he is therefore deserving of the honor of his position, up until he tells you to disobey the word of God. Now, this can be applied all the way down the line to even local government. We are called to honor their positions of authority and even to obey them insofar as we can without going against the words or commandments of God and our Christian conscience. Third application of what this commandment requires of us. This more on the spiritual side of things. This commandment requires our honor and our obedience to God as our Heavenly Father. Unlike our earthly fathers, God doesn't make mistakes. God isn't sinful. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't fail. He is absolutely perfect and absolutely deserving of complete obedience and honor. Whereas an earthly authority might attempt to require of you something unbiblical, God never will. And therefore, there can never be a question of whether or not obedience should be given. Unlike our human parents, whose house we will eventually leave, we are continually, as the children of God, under His headship for all of our lives, and we will be for all of eternity. And so not only is our honor of God required at all times and in all places, but our obedience is required at all times and in all places. Fourth, and more briefly, we are in this commandment called to obey the spiritual authorities, the head of which is God, to who we owe our obedience and honor, as we just said. But under God, there are all manner of other spiritual authorities. These can take the form of something as simple as 
the Word of God as it describes the command of God, or uh, it can go even so far as to be uh, a spiritual authority that God places over you, a, a pastor or an elder who is in spiritual leadership over you. These are men who God has placed over you who don't have the weight of judicial law. They can't throw you in jail if you don't listen to them. But you are still called to listen to what they have to say. They have the authority, the power. Your elders have the authority and the power to bind your conscience. To bind you to obedience and to honor of God insofar as what they say represents what the Word of God calls us to do as Christians. These are men who God has established as a spiritual authority in your life, and so you ought to honor them and to obey them. In short, this commandment requires of us honor and obedience to all authority that God has placed over us, insofar as that honor and obedience are consistent with the revealed Word of God. As with all of the earlier commands, this is not an isolated command, but it comes with a blessing. And this will be our second and brief point this evening, the reason for this commandment. The reason for this commandment is very clear. Verse 12 states it, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. As with the application and understanding of this commandment, I think the promise of this commandment is best understood in a twofold sense. Namely, the promise of long life is both a physical or material promise and a spiritual promise promise. Physically speaking, there is the simple promise of long life for those who honor their father and their mother. As we already noted in our introduction, there is a legitimate connection between long life and honoring one's parents. Beyond even just caring for your parents and and loving them, those who honor their parents tend to live longer, uh, just as those who honor God live longer, because those are the ones who also tend to obey the other commands of God, things that are for their own good and things that lead to a longer life. Practically speaking, children who don't obey their parents, or sorry, children who obey their parents and don't walk right along the edge of a cliff, or uh, for those of you here in Florida, which is all of us, I guess, don't walk right up beside the gator-infested waters, live longer or at least maintain their limbs longer than those children who don't listen to their parents and walk right up to a mother gator um, on the side of the bank. But beyond even this this parent-child dynamic, those who obey and honor governing authorities tend to live longer than those who don't. And while there are some instances where that can be a bad thing, where governing authorities are corrupt and they kill people who are standing up for that which is right, most of the time it's a good thing. If you go out and you break the law by murdering a bunch of people, dishonoring and disobeying the authority that God has placed over you, it is unlikely that you are going to live a very long and prosperous life. It's simple, practical logic. But beyond this, beyond this this general promise of, of, of general long life to those who honor their parents, there is in this commandment, I think, a spiritual promise to long life. For those who love and honor God as their father, there is the promise of the longest of lives, life eternal. It is a promise that will not be forgotten and whose recipients will never lose. We will live with God for all eternity at peace because of the saving work that has made us His sons and His daughters. Once again, here in the Ten Commandments, we're coming to and and see the Gospel on display in this commandment. 
The fact that we can call God Father, that we can obey Him and and follow His commands is only a reality because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Only because Christ perfectly kept the law and on the cross took our sin upon Himself and placed upon us His righteousness, that, that double imputation. Only because of that can we honor God as our Father because we have now been adopted as sons of the living God. This is what Paul says. We are sons who have been adopted and who receive all the benefits, all the inheritance of sons, as he talks about in Romans 8. And as such, we will enjoy this promise of long life for all of eternity. So why should you obey this commandment? Well, the fact that God gives it to you should be enough. But beyond even this, obey that you might enjoy His promises forevermore. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank You that we can come and call You Father. That You care for us. That You love for us. This is something far greater than we can even possibly begin to wrap our minds around. While we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. Why You would do that? Makes no sense. Defies all human logic, all human reason. And yet, O Lord, it is our hope. So Father, we pray, as we continue to reflect on these commandments that You have given to us throughout the week, let us love them all the more. That they might draw us to Christ. That they might make us more like Him. And that we might bring all glory and honor to You through our keeping of them. For we pray it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.